It's that time again. Motley Fool Answers is here. I'm Allison Southwick, joined by Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum. Love is in the air with Valentine's Day around the corner. So today we're going to talk about love and money. Maybe you've never had a good heart to heart with your schmoopy about money. That's okay. You're not alone. Schmoopy. Oh, that's, that's right. Nice. Schmoopy. <laughs> By the end of today, you'll be able to have a productive, healthy, and loving conversation with your honey about money. Also, I'd like to recommend that you send this show to anyone you know who's about to get married because they'll get more out of it than that gravy boat that's on their registry, right? Oh, yeah. Totally. I didn't even put a gravy boat on our registry. I've never used our gravy boat. So if you spend all of five minutes looking into research about money and marriage, it is not pretty, but there is a lot of it. <laughs> so <laughs> this is true. There's a lot of research out there about money and marriage. What is your guys' favorite stat? Who wants to go first? Your favorite love and money stat? I'll start. Okay. I'll so I just saw this one recently. Approximately one third of Americans don't think their spouse should be able to spend $100 without telling them. I wouldn't say I do that often, but I'm not afraid to spend $100 without telling my husband. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not either, but I do feel like it's one of those things that I have to talk about when I get home. It's not something that I'll just blow off as opposed to if I just went to Starbucks. Yeah, no, and a favorite tactic here is to leave the, the shopping bags in the trunk before you come in or just say, hey, honey, look what I got at the thrift store. <laughs> a brand new iPhone. <laughs> look what I found in the middle of the road. Yeah. Robert, what's your favorite love and money stat? Um, I'll try to be a little bit more positive here. And this comes from <laughs> Thomas Stanley, um, who co-wrote the book, The Millionaire Next Door, classic study of real life millionaires in the country. And it turns out that more than 90% of true millionaires um, are married and have been married a long time, on average 20, 30 years. So marriage is good for your wealth. Uh, another interesting point about that is when you talk to millionaires, these millionaires, and ask them, what's the secret to your success? 95% of them say their spouse. So they appreciate Aww. how they've worked together to create that success. That's so sweet. It's on, very nice. On the flip side, a lot of the research you hear is that like money is the root of all, arguing about money is the root of all divorces or whatever. So when when money in your honey is good, life is good, and right. you've got more money. But when it's bad, it's very bad. And my stat that I'm going to trot out is that nearly one quarter of couples avoid talking about money, and 12% of people have never talked to their spouse about money. I don't even know how that's possible. That that actually does not surprise me. I think one thing I've been surprised about uh, talking to people is how many spouses have separate finances, so it's probably easier to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So why is it so hard to talk to your honey about money? Because talking about money is never j really just talking about money. It's not talking about dollars and cents. Money's a tangible thing, so it's really easy to make it a proxy for, for power, for control, for freedom, resentments, independence, trust, love, all of those things. There's so much angst and underlying assumptions, ingrained cultural beliefs, all of these things with money that people really just prefer not to talk about it. They dance around the topic or they go to separate areas of the house or they complain to their friends like me about their money problems. Um, but unfortunately, you have to talk about this. It's part of our everyday existence. Right. So when we talk about money, we're not really just talking about money. No. And that's what makes and, it and, so hard. And here's the thing, as, as Robert's marriage statistics shows, not talking about money is not an option. Right. Right. If you want to be happy and wealthy and 
stay healthy, married. stay married, and talk about money. So you actually, Robert, created a fun way to at least kick off the conversation to talk about money, and that is called the Fooly Wed Game. <laughs> Very clever, isn't right? Because yes. <laughs> we're the Motley Fool, and it's how to have a fun, at least kickoff conversation about money with your honey, and we're going to do it here on the show. We have our own resident Motley Fool couple, the Perrymans here. Hi, Allison. Hello. Hi. We have Lee and Adrian, and I will note that Adrian is the lady. I'm Adrian. And Lee is the guy. And I, by default, am Lee. You are. <laughs> so how the fully wed game works is a very, it's very similar to the newlywed game. Um, so I think probably right about now we are hearing the music that's like da 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 Very nice. Thanks. You guys got skills. We're pretty big budget here. So how this works is we're going to ask you guys some questions about money. And you are going to have an answer for yourself, but we're also going to ask you what you think your spouse is going to say. Okay. Got it. Okay. Awesome. We've removed all sharp objects <laughs> yeah, from the table. This could get interesting. No, it's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm yeah. excited. Because we have fun here on the Foolywood game. All right. First question. <laughs> you get $1,000 back as a tax refund. What do you spend it on? What would your partner spend it on? So, Adrian, what would Lee spend $1,000 on? I got this one. Lee would spend his $1,000 on camping equipment. Lee, what's the right answer? <laughs> that is absolutely yes! correct. Did I get it right? <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> That's awesome. High five. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lee, what would Adrian spend $1,000 on? I think I had a little bit of a tougher time with this one, but I would say uh, home furnishings of some sort. <laughs> Furniture. Right there, written down. (laughs) See that? All right. Okay. You two were meant to be. All right. The next question is a little harder. Okay. And it is my biggest financial concern is blank. I believe my spouse's biggest financial concern is blank. So why don't you you go first this time, Lee? What do you think is Adrian's biggest financial concern? Yeah, this might be a little bit of a roll of the dice, but <laughs> I would say uh, the future child care. Oh, that is not what I wrote down, but that is that is <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I, I know her better than she, than she does herself. <laughs> um, I actually said my current student loan oh. payments uh. and the amount of, that I still have to pay pay off. Right. Um, I'd like to get that to make make, make that go away. <laughs> yeah. But child, yeah, child care is another one. I don't even have a kid, but <laughs> it's something that we we do talk about. So well, now you can worry about that. Now you yes. can worry about that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. All right, Adrian. What do you think is Lee's biggest financial concern right now? Um, I think Lee's biggest financial concern is having a comfortable amount in our savings account for when there's an emergency that that might come up. Like to ha- he likes to have a, a good cushion in there. Yeah. While that's true, uh, <laughs> I I thought a little bit further down the road, and I, I would say that my biggest concern is retirement, mm. having having enough money to retire sure. at some point. Yeah, so yeah. early, uh, preferably early. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you'd want to retire yeah. early. Yeah. Um, all right, last question. <laughs> Fill in the blank. The cutest thing about my partner at this very moment <laughs> is. 
who wants to go first? I just want to point out who rolled their eyes. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> the cutest thing about my partner at this very moment. Um, his beard. <laughs> it's a solid beard. Conditioner. You've been using the conditioner on your beard. Yeah, yeah. It looks very it's cute. Good it's a nice beard. beard. It's good looking. It's full. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I would say uh, the... the the shine she actually has right now. She <laughs> <laughs> mean the shine like my shiny forehead, or like the sh- the glow? I'll, I'll phrase it as glow. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. better. <laughs> Happy glow. Yeah. Okay, that's sweet. Thank you. <laughs> so that was um, our sort of abbreviated version of the fully wed game. And if you guys want to keep playing on your own, we have it online. You can go and play it if you go to loveandmoney.fool.com. Awesome. And there's a longer version that Robert has created. And also from there, you can read the whole article that Robert or Diana, did you write it? Mm-hmm. Diana wrote on how to have a more serious talk with your honey about money, which is actually what we're going to talk about now on the show. Yeah? All right. So thank you awesome. guys for right. joining thank us. Thank you for having thank us. You. It was a lot of fun. You guys yes. can head back to work now. Thank you very <laughs> All much. Right. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. As you can see, everyone's a winner on the Foolywed game. And after you've had a laugh, you can get down to business, which is what we're going to do right now. We're going to get down to business, and we're going to step-by-step explain how to have a really great, productive talk with your loved one, your schmooby, your petty chew, about <laughs> money. Little cabbage. Your little cabbage. So the first step, Robert, is... Set a date, and by that uh, we mean make it official. Put it on your calendar. Uh, it might involve even going out to a restaurant, going someplace productive. You can even call it an appointment. Um, but put it, make it a, a specific thing. Don't say like, "Hey, we should just sit around and talk about money at some point." Or hey, I know when you're done with the dishes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I know people actually have gone away. Like they make this a weekend thing. Oh, to that focus sounds like on their fun. Finances. Yeah, you know, they vision and goal set and all that, but. Anyways, make it official. Set a date. When my wife and I first had these types of meetings, we would go to a restaurant, actually. And uh, especially once you have kids, you need to get out of the house to do this. It seems like in in like a public place, that seems like an awkward place to have a conversation about finances. No? No better way to keep it civil. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a very good point. Yeah. So then what is, now that we've set the date, what's the second step? So you need to set an agenda got to decide what you're going to talk about. Um, There are a couple different ways to approach it, but one of my favorites is to identify agenda items by individually asking these three questions and bringing them to the table. So this does involve a bit of homework. Okay, so question one. Question one. What is my biggest daily financial concern? So with this, you also want to prepare your top three ideas on how to deal with it. What What would be an example of your top daily concern? So it would be, am I, how much am I allowed to spend or what's a good amount for me to spend just on, say, having lunch out or entertainment things? Um, Is my spending keeping us from achieving larger goals, for instance? So that's an example. Okay. The second question is, what are our most important midterm money concerns that we face as a family? And here we're talking about things that might come up in the next one to five years. So what you want to also think about is ways to tackle them head on. 
and getting them on the calendar, getting them on a piece of paper makes them concrete and makes you both start to concentrate, oh yeah, we need to get a new car or we're saving for a down payment on a home. I'm concerned that we're not gonna have enough money. And, and maybe one of you is like, I didn't think we needed a new car. Right. I our old car is fine. And right. the other person's like, what are you talking about? Right. We need to go on a vacation. And then and then you call the waitress over and say, check, please. Right. And we're leaving in different cars. <laughs> no. Or you ask the waitress's opinion. What do you think? Yeah. Don't you agree with me? Just kidding. Don't do that. And the third question is, what worries or excites me most about our long-term financial well-being? And here we're talking six to 10 years down the road. So maybe you're worried about being able to afford to send your kids to college. Or if you have another baby coming on the way, are we going to be able to afford to send that one to college? And then brainstorm with yourself ways you can best prepare for these things. And then after that, when you compare notes, you're probably going to find some common ground. And even if it's only one big goal, something broad like retiring early or spending a year working remotely in Europe, that's progress. You're on the same page about a major goal. So that's where you want to start focusing is on those things that you agree about. And then after that, I think I think it's fair for each of you to, if you've got different goals, to choose one of those that is realistic, that's within the realm of possibility, and say, hey, Here's how I was thinking about saving up for that or, or altering you know, our lifestyle so that I can achieve that. And be supportive of the other person. Be excited about their goal. And here's where you come together and really help each other achieve, you know, be able to achieve these things. Okay, so before, before you even, though, have the conversation, each of you go to a happy, quiet place and answer those three questions mm-hmm. for yourself. Don't just answer the questions, but also come up with your maybe idea for a solution. Yeah. To, to the issues. All right, so after we've set an agenda, then what happens? Well, you gotta set some ground rules. Um, and I think the, the best way to summarize this is you wanna be positive and proactive. So, um, Dana just brought up talking about what excites you. So that's what you wanna, wanna focus on as much as possible. One of the best pieces of marriage advice I got actually before I got married was someone told me, no fair bringing up the past. So if the conversation you have with your spouse is about what happened in the past, who did what, blame game, you're not going to get very far. You're starting over. You, of course, have to be aware of each other's issues and weaknesses and things like that, but you don't want to focus on that. So positive, focusing on your goals and the good things like that. Um, don't play the blame game, those types of things. Can you blame, can you blame a mother-in-law for anything? Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, unless you invite her, of course, which is probably not a good thing to do. In which case, I would say that was something that is an issue. That is. If you're inviting <laughs> your mother-in-law to My number one issue is you invite your mother-in-law to everything. Right. <laughs> or your mother-in-law. Why are you bringing up the past? <laughs> exactly. So those are the most important things. You may find that some subjects are just too hot and difficult to talk about, and you actually may want to table those. I know my wife and I have found that actually certain topics, it's actually better for us to email each other. Um, so you just say, okay, these are the things we're going to work on now. These other things might take a little bit more work, but we're going to worry about them later. All right, so you've set the agenda, you've set some ground rules. Now, how do you have a productive meeting? Right. Here, the idea is to keep the conversation on track so it doesn't devolve into spats. And a few tips on doing that is to use concrete examples of things. So don't talk in vague terms or the abstract, like I get worried that, about what we have in the bank. Be specific. Say, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if we had $3,000 in our emergency 
savings account so that it's something very specific and and you're not keeping you're not making the other person guess what that is another one is listen seriously uncross your arms don't roll your eyes make no judgments that's actually why emailing actually helps because so often you're talking and you're kind of picking up on those other clues and it sort of changes the tone of the relationship but i think if you can do that without making all those Nonverbal clues. That's right. a great idea. Right. Yeah, I think that also helps with um, often when we're in a conversation, we're really just waiting for our turn to talk mm-hmm. and we're not really listening. So, What did you say I was waiting to talk? Just kidding. I think you actually were because you're kind of scrolling through your computer right now. No, I was paying attention. I swear I was. <laughs> Stop <laughs> rolling your eyes, Robert. <laughs> I'm going to email you about this after the show. Okay. I'm very upset. Um yeah, I mean, that's my only point, is that uh, so to be an active listener and maybe email is another thing the yeah. way that that helps yeah. with that. And another thing, we talked about this in the budgeting po- podcast, don't aim for perfection. This doesn't have to be the end-all, be-all discussion, you know, most wonderful discussion you've ever had about money where you resolve everything. <laughs> yeah, see, see you when we retire. <laughs> yeah, We're done. Right. We don't need that's to talk right. about money done. ever again. Drop the mic. <laughs> Exit stage left. The, the goal here is to make incremental improvements over time, and your conversation will improve as you talk about this stuff. And in fact, it helps even the day-to-day interactions where the eye rolling and the, you bought that. What? How much was that? This helps if you practice talking about money. So that's why we're sort of putting in place these more formal rules or sort of a more formal agenda for at least this first talk or, or the, these important talks that you're going to have. Yeah, I would say the, the part just to be productive is to, to have the information you need at hand. So um, there's, there is the overall talking about goals and things like that, but there might be something that's more nitty gritty and you'll need to know how much is in the bank, mm-hmm. how much are we contributing to our 401ks. You want to have that handy if you're going to go to a restaurant or somewhere else, because otherwise you're talking about it and you're like, well, I don't know the answer to that. And then it gets tabled. So make sure you bring with you what you need, but no more. Yeah. And on fool.com, we we actually have an agenda um, on how to do a quarterly financial review with your honey. So you're going over your inflows, your outflows, your goals, where you are, things that are going to be coming up in the next quarter or so. And quarterly is actually a good time to do that nitty-gritty review. Companies are very fond of the quarterly review. I think couples should take a cue from that. So then is this – this is a meeting that you should have every – the same meeting is a meeting you should have every quarter? Or do your meetings – like this is the first initial meeting. So then the next meeting, our goal – by our next quarterly meeting, our goal is to – Yeah, you review what you've come up with. But, but also this is a conversation that you'll be having throughout your relationship because things change. Priorities change stuff comes up and you're going to need to, you know, review. Oh, you know, when I said I wanted to go off to band camp for a month, eh, not so into that now. I want to go to writing camp for a month instead. (laughs) I'm going to go to cheese making camp. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which you can do. I've looked into it. What do you do if, if this is beyond the two of you? Like what if you and your Schmoopy are having kind of serious problems with managing money? Is there someone, or even just communicating about it initially, is there a third party that you can go to? Or what do you do when when you can't even have this initial conversation? Well, there are two aspects of that. Number one, there's the traditional couples counseling, you know, professional who has experience in helping couples communicate about money and just about anything else. And there's also the financial planning aspect of what's the right decision to make regardless of the disagreement. So there's actually an emerging field called financial therapy, where there are people who are financial experts, but they're trained in how to work out 
these types of differences with couples. And it's a good idea to get, I think, an objective, trusted professional to come in and help with the decision. Someone has experience saying, we've got to acknowledge both person's needs, the reasons why they have those feelings, all that fun stuff. But then they come to something that makes sense for the couple, but also makes financial sense. Right, right. Because I can imagine it's like, I, on the one hand, I know you feel that owning 500 pairs of shoes is important, and you feel that going to cheese-making camp is important. But by the way, you guys still don't have an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So, exactly. Right. All right, what's the final step? Celebrate! Woohoo! Bow, <laughs> In however way that is meaningful to you as a couple. Um, <laughs> We often talk here at The Fool about rewards, and I think it's a good idea to give yourself an incentive, also acknowledge that you've done something great. So it could be going out on a date or get a little something that you would consider a luxury, obviously not crazy expensive, but it is good to say, all right, we've made this mark, we've done a good job, let's reward ourselves a little bit. So you can get tons of more <laughs> advice on this. I forgot to actually mention at the top of the show that Diana literally wrote the book about how to manage money with your loved one. The book is called Motley Fool's Guide to Couples and Cash. How to Handle Money with Your Honey. This book is a book and can be bought at all places books are sold. <laughs> um, it has tons of additional advice advice uh, on how to manage money and how to keep this awesome train going. You can also go to loveandmoney.fool.com. Oh yeah, I had him create a vanity URL. Nice. Wow. Yeah, go to loveandmoney.fool.com. I thought that was a dating site. No, love.fool.com is an old April Fool's joke. Yes. But loveandmoney.fool.com is where our listeners can go to get uh, all of this advice on how to have a lovely date with your spouse and talk about money. Um, You'll also get an expanded version of Robert's Foolywed game. And I just want to thank Lee and Adrian for joining us for today's brief episode of the Fully Wed Game. Don't forget to subscribe to the show if you have a moment. And please give us a rating or your feedback on iTunes or Stitcher. Send your questions to answers at fool.com. Until next week, for Diana Yoakum and Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Smooch on, fool. Fool.